Hello, racing world, and welcome to The Chrono Show. The Chrono Show is an endurance industry podcast for event producers, race directors, timers, and a variety of industry insiders. The show focuses on the history of this unique industry, the individuals that created it, the current state of affairs, and where it all goes from here. The show is hosted by Mike Melisi from Chrono Track, that's me by the way, with guests from all across the industry and a few from outside it too. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Chrono Show. Five, four, three, two, one. We are Well, hello, Racing World, and welcome to the show. Today's guest is someone you've probably heard of before, Tina Wilmot from Endurance Sportswire. Tina is a, a successful entrepreneur, experienced public relations executive, strategist, and speaker, and the founder and owner of Endurance Sportswire. Tina, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. So I always, uh, I'm trying to get better about being the host of this thing. Um, I have a, a habit of uh, introducing you in depth and then asking you to introduce yourself. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make myself stop that habit. So why don't you um, give us your background, kind of where you where you came from, who you are, and then I have a bunch of questions for you about yourself, about Endurance Sportswire, and about the, uh, the role you play within the industry. Sure. So my background is public relations, primarily. I'd been in PR for 20 years before I started Endurance Sportswire. Um, I was uh, in the high-tech industry working up in the Bay Area in Silicon Valley, and I was there during the dot-com boom and bust, which was a super exciting time. So I got to work with some great startups as well as, you know, big companies like Qualcomm and HP, et cetera. And then um, I wanted to make my way back down to Southern California, and I ended up at an online registration company heading up their PR department. So that's kind of how I got into the endurance sports industry. And that's where I came up with the idea for Endurance Sportswire. And at the time, was there just a gap? There was nothing there that you wanted to fill? Or were you looking to um, overcome a, a competing product that you saw in the market? It was really filling a gap. So there was a couple big things that happened. Um, one is a few years after being there, I decided I wanted to be a mother. So I ended up adopting on my own, which was a pretty big life change. And I knew that I really wanted to create a lifestyle where I could have the flexibility to spend time with my child as well as you know money coming in, <laughs> making a good living. And also during that time, so I became a mother, which was great. And um, he's 11 now. And also during that time, we would get product managers coming up to our PR department um, and they would say, hey, we just signed this marathon to do online registration and we really want to get the word out. We'd love to do a press release. And I thought, okay, well, that's interesting to us. And maybe we can get it in like a running USA newsletter or something like that, but there's really nobody else that's going to be picking up that news. Um, you know, a competitor group is not going to cover that. A running USA is not going to cover the fact that we're doing online registration for a marathon. Yeah. And also during that time, we had a golf division and our golf sales team would come up to me saying, Hey, we've got to get our news in this newsletter. And I thought, well, why? And they said, well, because all of our competitors are in there. And I thought, huh, well, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this creating this need by just seeing other companies in there. And so I thought, you know, we really need a way to get our news in the endurance sports industry. And I categorize that as anything related to running, cycling or triathlon to the reporters who matter and also the people in our industry who matter. And there's a lot of press release services out there, PR Newswire, Businesswire. We actually work with PR Newswire for people who want to use that service. And it's great, but it goes really wide and broad, but not very deep. So you're not going to find, say, a bike rumor uh, on that media list. And they, and they get a million views a month. So, um, and you're, I don't even know if they have a triathlon category. So I thought, gosh, you know, we really need a place to kind of help people in our industry get their news to the reporters and people who matter. And that's mm -hmm. where it started. So I left, I left my company. I hired a person to build a website and then I got busy. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. So you, you had the PR knowledge, some, a lot of depth there from your, your background, but how did, how did you begin from, from scratch? How did you make the contacts, get your name out there? How, how did anyone even know that Endurance Sportswire was out there after its creation? 
You know, I, well, I built the website and then you hope that they will come. I mean, I, I built up a media list and we have, gosh, well over 600 reporters on that list now, anywhere from like a triathlete and a runner's world to Bloomberg and Wall Street Journal, people who cover kind of that sports business space. And then I just started pulling together reporters uh, or people I knew in the industry to kind of help spread the word. And it kind of took a life of its own. But, you know, in the beginning, I didn't even have press releases to put on there. So I was just asking people, you know, can I put your press release on this website? We're doing this newsletter. And um, and I didn't really have enough newsletters <laughs> either. I mean, enough. I'm sorry, enough press releases either. Um, so I would pull in other industry news from other media sources that I thought readers might be interested in to put on the mm -hmm. website and in this newsletter. And so what, you know, started was just a small newsletter with a few articles I linked to and a few press releases now has become this kind of must read in our industry. You know, it's, it's the place where people go to find out what's happening in the business of our sport. And we've actually now... I looked right before our call to see how many press releases have been distributed through our service. And it's actually over 20,000, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> and that's a lifetime number, the cumulative 20,000 total. Yeah. A few thousand every year now. What, what year was the founding? It'll be our 10 year anniversary this year. So we were founded in uh, 2011. And I assume you can show a, a, a really sharp ramp up, right? You Maybe you were a little bit slow at first, and then you started to take off probably around, what, 20, 2011, 2012 is when I, I would, think of I you guys starting so. to take off. And then the last five years have been crazy. Yeah. And we let's, also let's, have, not a lot of people know, but we also have another website, um, about five years into Endurance Sportswire, we launched Outdoor Sportswire, yeah. which is similar, but I would say it's sports, services, and products, anything you'd find in like an REI. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's actually, that's, those are my passion sports. I, I read both regularly. <clears throat> I, your emails, whenever I get a notification that there's a new Sportswire with everything, you know, all the, all the um, posts from that day, it's one, I, I'm pretty disciplined about not checking email other than certain blocks of time during the day except for endurance sportswear. I have to look immediately and just see what happened or what might be relevant in that particular day. I thought, and I, I didn't really realize that or think about that consciously until I was getting ready for this discussion. I thought, I, and I, I happened to be in the midst of getting ready when I got one of the notifications and immediately clicked on it. I thought, huh, that's one of the very few things other than maybe something from my boss or an attorney or, or something. Endurance Sportswear is one of the few things that I pounce on as soon as it gets in the in the inbox. I have to see what's what's in there, which I think says a lot of a, a lot about it. The past five years is where I think of Endurance Sportswire going from relevant to the the place where you want to put out your news for anything in the in the industry. So kudos to you for for building that over time. It's it really has become that. It's the it's the go to place for your news. Well, thank you. Um... Yeah, you know, when I started the company, I was really just trying to find a place to for people to get and distribute press releases. And I had no idea it would really become what it has become today. And, you know, people tell me a lot like you do that it's the first email they open in the morning to find out what's happening in the business of our sport. And it's funny because I even go on our website all the time. You know, if I'm trying, I'm like, what's going on with that company? I'll search on my website <laughs> to find yeah. out. And I'm like, oh, here's all their press releases or here's other news I've picked up about them. So yeah. it's become a great resource um, for companies, not only to get their news to reporters, but what we find is those who use the service, they'll say, hey, you know, I have news and I know it might not be interesting to say a Wall Street Journal, but it's the one way I have to get our news out to our industry that I can't do on my own. And, you know, and a lot of people also use it as a way to do business. So, for example, I have a friend who um, has a running tour company. And so he posted a press release. It's based in Nashville, but he posted a press release because he wanted to open up some other locations. And he picked up five other locations for people that are interested in starting in other cities. Yeah. yeah. And how about Outdoor Sportswire since its inception a couple, a couple years ago, four or five years ago, how has that taken off? Is it following a similar trajectory to Endurance Sportswire or different path for that one? Um, I think so. I actually think it's a larger market. 
um, because, and I also think there's more money in that market. There's a lot of product brands, big brands there. Um, it hasn't grown as quickly as endurance sports wire, but that's probably because there's not more of me, um, mm -hmm. to really focus on it. Um, but it's a big push for us. Um, yeah. now that's, that's, is that the bigger growth engine between the two? Cause have you, have you kind of saturated the endurance space to some extent and outdoor is the, the growth avenue? I don't think we've saturated endurance yet. Um, you know, it is a unique audience because it's mm -hmm. made up of reporters and it's a B2B audience, really. Yep. Um, so while it might not be as big as, say, a consumer magazine that has hundreds of thousands of readers, you know, it is a very specific audience that not a lot of people have access to. Yeah, um, it's, all, it's all it's all influencers, which is probably the most valuable part of, of the whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we've tapped out on that. I'd love to see, you know, the size of distribution twice as much as it is. And we're continuing to get more and more growth in terms of visitors on the website just because yeah. of SEO. Okay. Do you consider press releases a, a component of public relations in general, or is it a completely distinct animal? It's a component. I think it's a necessary component of PR. Um, you know, for example, one of the tips I would give somebody who has a press release is make sure the title is tweetable, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because um, you can share your press releases on social media from our website and you want to make sure that, or anybody can share that press release and you want to make sure that it's something people want to read about. And, you know, press release is kind of the one way to get your information out and the words that you want to use. Yeah. I'm going to come back to those best practices because I have, I don't know, maybe 10 uh, questions I have about the length of press releases and the title, like you said, and calls to action and whatnot. I have a bunch of questions about the, um, the, the, the mechanics of a proper, a properly structured press release. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, I'm pretty ignorant about the public relations world in, in general. I've never, I've always had an expert in all the companies I've worked for, big or small, either a consultant or a a staffer who just, that was their entire world. And I, I was hoping you might kind of give me the public relations 101, and then we'll dive into press releases and whatnot in, in particular, uh, if you're willing to. And my, my first question is just a definition of what public relations is in, in your eyes, because what I, what I think of my, my stigma for public relations is I think of, I think of spin doctors is, is like the first thing I think of when I think of what public relations is, but I don't, I don't really know if that's the proper definition or, or way to think about it. I'd, I'd love to hear yours. Yeah. You know, I think public relations, it's, it's a way to communicate the message about your company, your service, your event to a larger audience. And you know, you have your story to tell, um, you know, with press releases, we have a certain way that we communicate that information. Um, but there's a PR is all encompassing. It could be a press release. It could be a pitch to a reporter via email or in mm -hmm. person. Um, it could be an interview that you have with a media outlet. Um, now it's a pitch to a blogger, you know, an influential blogger. And it's also, you can't have PR without thinking about social media now. So it's using all of these various avenues to get out the message that you're trying to communicate about your company or product. And you mentioned social media, which is where I was going to go next. So thanks for that. Is, is social media, has social media and its explosive growth taken away from traditional PR and, and press releases, or is it, is it just extending it and magnifying it beyond what it, what it was before? I definitely think it's extending it and magnifying it. Um, because if you think about it, a tweet is only a certain number of characters, so you can only get so much of your story out there. At some point, mm -hmm. they're going to have to clink, click to something else to get more information. Um, but, you know, I think the same rule falls with press releases and pitches. You're only going to have this much space, you know, a few, a few words to be able to get that message across quickly. Um, yeah. so that they're going to want to hear more. And then how, how about what, what isn't PR? Like what, what types of submissions might you get where you say, Hey, listen, that's not, that's not really what, what we do here. It's not purely advertising. Obviously it's, there's all kinds of things that I would assume people try to lump into that category that you might have to deflect and say, that's, that's not what this is. Yeah. So just to kind of 
go back for a moment, how people work with us is they come onto our site, they'll purchase say, an annual membership or one time, and then they upload their press release to our service. And we'll make sure it gets on our website, our social media channels, and in our newsletter. And we do reject press releases. Um, not a lot of them, but um, mainly those that get rejected are or situations where somebody has either just cut and paste a case study, cut and paste mm -hmm. the marketing materials or some content on their website, and then threw it into a document, threw a title on it, and sent it over. And so we will, you know, graciously go back to them and say, hey, we need a few changes to this in order for it to be a press release. This reads more like an advertisement. Mm -hmm. um, and typically the things that we usually have them correct is we like to see a quote in there. Um, we like them to remove the words I and we. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Shouldn't be in first person. There should always be a boilerplate at the end. It's amazing how many press releases we get that don't even have an about. A boilerplate is basically the about us section at the end of the press release. Yeah. And there is nothing. So people don't even know what this company does necessarily. Um, some, sometimes they're really, really long. Um, mm -hmm. So there's some, or, or just there's so many grammatical errors in it that we just have to send it back. So we and do so if, them. If, if something, if something feels like an, like a, I forget the word advertorial to you or something like that, that that's something that you would usually eliminate and say, no, that's not, that's not quite a fit. Well, if the whole thing is about, I mean, we do get press releases where people are talking about customers. So it mm -hmm. might be, for example, an announcement that um, someone just signed on to do race registration or they're organizing a marathon for this particular organization. And they might go into detail about um, how many participants they registered for it or, you know, they might share some of those details. But you have to think what the announcement is. Um, and it's just not a big case study kind of paste. Yeah. Yeah. There. Yeah. Okay. What were the first, so you, you said you're at 10 years, right? R right around the 10 year anniversary. What were the first nine like versus the past one for you and for endurance sports wire referring to the pandemic? Of course, did it, I'm curious to know how that, how that impacted your world and what changed in your world. Yeah. Everything we're going to be referring to all our kids are going to be referring to pre pandemic, post pandemic now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny in terms of where the business is now. If I had known what it would have entailed when I first started, I don't know if I ever would have started it. So thank <laughs> God, you know, so many people go into their businesses so naively and just, just, they have such a passion. They just jump in. Um, you know, the pandemic did impact our business a little bit in terms of uh, event registration or events we're not putting on events anymore so they just really couldn't use the service so they would maybe cancel the service with us um, we did see an uptick in announcements of just people needing to get the news out that their event was canceled or that it was converting to virtual um, so you know while the business was impacted a little bit from a financial standpoint um, it was okay. And it's, it's mostly come back now. We usually do a big annual promotion at the end of the year. And this year's was even more popular than last year's. Um, so that hasn't impacted us, but, you know, I think for me personally, in terms of our business, every year I try to do two major changes to my business. Um, big changes, you know, because the biggest, I think the worst thing a company can do is rest on their laurels and just kind of keep cranking away doing the same old thing. Yeah. And so I always challenge myself at the beginning of the year, you know, what two major changes am I going to be making with my business this year? And so that still holds true. And I think <laughs> the last year I made even more changes than I would have normally made. You know, it, I think it's really made our industry move much more quickly. Um, some companies had to pivot and others are just trying to find new ways to do things. And so that's actually been super exciting for me. You know, I, I dabbled in putting on a virtual event. You know, mm -hmm. not that I want to get in the event industry for all those event directors out there. But I thought, you know, it'd be interesting to put one on and see how it works so I could have a better understanding of our customer. And I have a huge respect for event directors now. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 daunting for sure. Um, even just for a virtual event, I can only imagine an in-person event. Um, but it was a great learning experience um, that tied in and gave me a better understanding of my own business and allowed me to uh, make a donation to a charity and uh, 
just learn a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, and then there's been some other big changes that we've made as well that we're super excited about as we move into the following years. So did you, uh, uh, you might've said this and sorry if I, if it's repetitive, did you, the nature of a lot of the communications and, and posts changed in 2020, you said, did, did you have a drop off in just the volume of posts and press releases or was the volume relatively consistent? It did drop off. It's come back in full force. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah can, it did drop off a little bit. Yeah. You can feel it coming. You can feel everybody waking up, I guess is the, the simplest way I can think to say it. And even though there's not of a lot of money to be made right now in, in racing, because for the most part, we're all still prohibited or limited in what we can, um, and what we can do. You can feel everybody waking up and the energy coming back and, just this swell of, of anticipation and energy building for whatever the, the, the future big day is, whether it's sometime in the spring or in the summer, everybody's ready and preparing and waking up at the same time. And it feels good. It's a good, it's a good thing to witness. It is. And I think, you know, if you're looking at trends in the industry in terms of what's happening now, I really feel strongly that the pandemic drove innovation and speed in businesses even more than ever before. So for example, you know, here's these events that had to pivot and come up with creative ways to do virtual, you know, move quickly. And then you look at um, event registration companies having to come up with um, new features to address that. And then you also are looking at the increase of um, companies coming with online training programs yeah. or just, um, you know, Fitbit, for example, today just announced that it's offering glucose tracking, <laughs> you know, and while I think a lot of these industries would be moving or a lot of these companies would eventually be moving in that direction. I think the pandemic speeded it up, sped it up even more than ever before. I think that's true too, because it because it's a survival of the fittest, and so everybody mm -hmm. everybody worked on getting more fit in in terms of their business during the pandemic. I I think everything you just said about innovation and pivoting and adapting and thinning of the herd, all those things, I think are true. And what I what I've been most excited about, especially in the past few weeks, is I've been to a few races for the first time in about a year, and um, I think all the stay at home stuff and all the virtual stuff, all those things are wonderful tools, but the the desire for people, whether they're runners or cyclists or triathletes or whatever, to get out there and participate in an actual live event is no different than it ever was. I think that part is is stronger than ever. And so there's there's this upswelling of wanting to be out there again, but taking advantage of all these other tools that we had to in order to adapt and and survive in the meantime. And I think long term, we'll probably look back on the pandemic as I hesitate to call it a good thing because it feels too uncomfortable to say, right. but as a, um, as something that we all forced us to all adapt and, and evolve. And there are lots of silver linings that will come long-term from, from this, even if it was uh, a lot of misery to endure along the way. Well, and I, you know, my hope is for event directors, it will actually um, help them identify and bring new runners and cyclists and triathletes as well. You know, for example, the virtual event that I ended up putting on, um, if you're an SNL fan, fan, you would get it. It was called the More Cowbell 5K. So, and what was really interesting about it is the people who registered for that were not typical runners. You know, I did Facebook ad campaigns around it and it was really SNL fans I was approaching. And you can tell by the age group of the people who signed up for it, yeah. as well as even just shirt sizes. You know, these weren't your typical runners um, that you're going to be finding in our industry. And so you hope, you know, with these, virtu these virtual events have bought out a whole range of new people that had never participated in events before. And hopefully they'll be taking that to live events moving forward. Yeah, I think they will. Especially, I mean, every recommendation you see is what you need is fresh air, cardiovascular health, fitness in general, um, weight loss, low obesity, vitamin D from the sun. You know, we can provide all of those things. We're a pretty great fit for all the recommendations to um, how to how to prevent this in the future. So I'm I'm hopeful that there's an enormous upswelling of of interest and participation in all of these different sports. Definitely. Yeah. All right. So maybe let's switch to some best practices. Uh, you, you kind of touched on a couple of them already, and I'd love to get into this a little, a little bit deeper. One is a, a general question for me is my, my audience, let's say that the number of eyeballs on a, on a press release, like I said, I, I think I usually read yours within 20 minutes of the thing being posted when they come out. Mm 
Mm-hmm. What what's the tail off effect? If I do a press release at noon on a Tuesday, the number of eyeballs on it, I, I my assumption is it's you know high for a couple hour window of time or twenty four hours or something, and then a tail off. I'd love to know what the actual numbers are. Anything you might you might share with people. Yeah. So the newsletter currently goes to, gosh, it's approaching 13,000 people now, reporters mm-hmm. and industry people. And most of the opens happen within the first couple hours. Yeah. Um, and then it starts to scale down from there. But we do see, you know, occasionally we get announcements that go viral where, you know, all of a sudden you're going to, it's going to show up on Google. We try to do our best with SEO and it might get a thousand hits, you know, just from outside the newsletter. <laughs> so, which is great, you know, great news for the companies we're working for. Those, those press releases get the most opens are typically those where, the company that is putting out the press release will also post it on their Facebook page or on their social media channels and link back to the press release on our site, which is great because then we can track, you know, the opens yeah. more than say if they were going to just have it on their own website. Or um, is it frowned upon to release the same news twice? Uh, well, we're not going to accept the same press release twice. Okay. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, cause you scrub all of them individually. You said, right. So you would catch that. You wouldn't allow someone to repeat the same thing or a similar thing within X amount of time. I, I assume. Yeah. Because, um, for example, we, one of the things that happens on occasion is we will get a company that may try and upload a press release that is a few months old. They wrote it, but they never got around to putting it out, or maybe they put it out on their own and didn't really get the feedback they wanted. And we'll typically give them a warning, but you have to imagine from a reporter standpoint, they don't want to see news that's two months old or have to figure out how old that news is. Yeah. You know, They're opening our newsletter or going to our website because they want to see the most recent news. So if we see that we will search headlines, and if we see that news is from a long time ago and they're just trying to pass it off as new news, we will go back to them and ask them, Hey, can you add a different slant to this? Is there something new that you can add to this or FYI for future? We don't accept new news or old news, you know, we'll maybe put it on our website, but we're not going to put it in the newsletter. Okay. So if that's the case, then what, what would be the, just, this might be a PR question, not an endurance sports wire uh, specific question, but what is the best practice for a race director or a timer, someone who's looking to really celebrate whatever, whatever thing they have going on that they're, they're announcing. You don't, you don't announce the same news twice. So is, is the best practice more like you put it in sports wire four days later, you do a Facebook post, you keep drawing attention to that same thing through other avenues, or is there some other PR best practice that they should be aware of? Well, I would say that there's a you can there's a lot of different announcements you can do for something. You know, if you're a race organization, there you can announce registration opening. You can announce a new sponsor that you received. You can announce um, if there's a whole new course that you're doing this year. That's something mm-hmm. that you can announce. Um, you can announce the results of your race. So there's a lot of different types of press releases you can do versus just lumping it all into one. Yeah. Okay. And then how about the length of the press release? You said one of the things that can hinder them is they can be too long. What's what's too long? Keep it within a page, keep it within two, no more than three paragraphs. What's what's the best practice? You want to keep it within a page. About 500 words or less is ideal. You certainly can go up to 600, but any more than that, it just becomes too long. You know, one of the other things that we see too is um, really long quotes. Sometimes yeah. people will take basically what should just be information in the press release and make it a giant quote. And what's interesting about that is, you know, I think the takeaway from that is your quote is your really your opportunity to say something you couldn't normally say at a press release, something outlandish, something really unique, something original. And so if it's something that you would just put as content in a press release, that definitely shouldn't be your quote. You know, you look at um, people even outside our industry that say the most outlandish things and it shows up in the media during interviews. And those people didn't just come up with that on the fly. They sat down and thought, what's something really interesting and unique that I can say that's going to get people's attention. And that should be your goal. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's totally true. Okay. So then the, then within that question, I guess the the one I asked a moment ago about length, does short title versus long title have any relevance or is just the nature of how that title is written? The thing that might draw an eyeball to it. 
You know, I think the title should probably be, you know, I'm looking, I have a press release template that we use that you guys can find on our website. 16 to 18 words is good. Anything longer than that, it just starts, one, it takes up a lot of room on our website (laughs) in our newsletter, Um, but also people start to not read it. Yeah. Yeah, it gets a little stale by the time you're halfway through the the title, I suppose. All right, and then for for quotes, same thing. You said not not too long on the quotes. I understand that. Um, is there any relevance to short and sweet, just really succinct? The you know nothing but the facts versus humor versus putting more flavor and personality in it. Is is there any relevance to that when someone is drafting a press release? You know, the, well, the quote should be a couple sentences and feel free to go outlandish um, on your quote. Uh, the rest of the press release should be pretty factual. We do get people that try to be super creative and funny. And, you know, it's great when you're speaking to somebody and explaining that, but I don't always know how it flies when you're actually reading it. Um, the most important thing you'll want to remember is that first paragraph. You should be able to summarize the most important information about what you're trying to communicate right in that first paragraph. And for us, it's important too, because when we're putting your press release in our newsletter, we're basically summarizing your press release in one sentence or two. And it's even starting to get shorter because we get so many press releases now. So it's typically going to be a headline and one sentence. And it helps if you make it easy for us to (laughs) summarize that for you. Uh, You shouldn't have to scroll down to find out what the main news is in the press release. Yeah. And and that's a great point. And a lot of the, a lot of the press releases I find follow a format that's, you know, title sentence or two context or, or description of what they're talking about. Then a quote about the same thing, then more description or context on the same thing. Then oftentimes a second quote from somebody else about the same topic. And then the, and then the about us is that, is that done as a best practice? Meaning, you know, the more you drive home the point, the more it sticks with the, the reader, or is that just, are we all just copycatting each other kind of using the same template or, or format repetitively? You know, I think it's a best practice. So, you know, you want to have an attention getting headline. You want your first paragraph to be really a summary of what your news is all about in two or three sentences. And then next, you kind of have the body, which is going to might include statistics or supporting facts for what you're trying to communicate as to why that news is important. Um, and then, you know, one quote, if there's a partner press release, you know, there could be a second quote and any other information you want to share. So I, that is kind of a best practice. And in fact, we have, if you go to our website, it's on endurancesportswriter.com. I believe it's slash library, although you can find it right on our website, the library, we have a template that you can follow that basically outlines exactly what I just said. So people, so what happens is when we do get a press release that maybe could be written better, we'll send people to that link and we say, just follow this format and you're good to go. Okay. And last question on the, how to structure the, the guts of the press release itself. Are there any keywords, either favorable or unfavorable, good or bad that, that um, you would advise people to use or, or not use that drive eyeballs to or away from whatever you're trying to, to announce? Well, some of the things that always bring a red flag to me, if they say they're the largest company or the biggest company to do this or the most important or leading edge, you know, some of those buzzwords. Yeah. Um, if you're going to say that it's great if you're the, the biggest company in that particular industry, but you need to back it up with facts. So yeah. there, I love to see press releases with data. And if yeah. you can position yourself as a strong player in the company with data or being a source for data or information, that's really going to help you. Yeah. That's funny, especially in our little world too, because registration, for example, we're all the world's leading registration company. Yeah. Everyone, every every one of us is the world's leading, most innovative registration company you know, in existence. I usually cut out that part when we put our stuff yeah. in the newsletter. <laughs> well, how about before we leave this topic, any other best practices that I've failed to ask about or anything they, my audience, which is mostly going to be race directors and timers, what else should they know about if you're going to do a press release, do this or, or don't do that kind of thing from your expertise? You know, again, I think mentioning statistics, you know, number of companies you work with, or if you can even drop names of particular um, customers is always um, a huge benefit. Um, I would also say hmm, some do's and don'ts, you know, again, no, I, we remove all that. It shouldn't because this isn't really about you. It's something you're communicating to a reporter. And also the big thing is, so 
when you we, we get so excited about what we're doing and what news we're releasing but at the end of the day the biggest question you can ask is pretend like you're the reporter and and say why should i care yes. why should this reporter or why should this reporter's audience that you're trying to reach care about this news because that's who you're writing for so they might not be interested in you know, all the great things you're doing at the company, you know, what are the benefits that you're offering to that particular audience? Or why should this reporter really be interested in what you're doing? You know, if you're getting funding, gosh, what for a business reporter, what great news, <laughs> you know? And, and if you're pitching companies, you know, we just get your press release out to the audiences. We, we don't, we have no control over what they're going to write. But if you, you know, so every company, should have maybe a list of go-to reporters, maybe in the region if you're an event organizer. And mm -hmm. you really have to remember that if you're pitching that particular reporter, think about who their audience is. So if it's say a business journal in your city, they're going to know, you know, the business aspect, you know, how is this impacting other businesses in the city, you know, or other companies involved in this, you know, how many people is it bringing through, um, you know, the town? Whereas, you know, there might be a section in your local paper that loves a feel-good story. Yeah. Um, for example, when I launched Endurance Sportswire, the first year or so in, I, had, I did some PR on the side. So I had my own PR agency and I was working with endurance sports companies to pay the bills. And one of my clients was the Challenge Athletes Foundation. And they do oh, this. Yeah. yeah, they do this Bob great Abbott. Yes, yes, they do this great triathlon every year with challenged athletes. And yeah. so what we would do is we would go to all the various uh, new uh, TV stations and local papers, and we would find a unique story for each of them. So we weren't trying to just pitch the same old story of this athlete to the same publications. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to cover that. So we would find a unique story that was very applicable to that particular um, TV station or media outlet. For example, you know, we were pitching the San Diego Union Tribune and, and uh, we found an athlete, a um, we found a Paralympic triathlete um, for the San Diego Union Tribune. But how do we tie that to that newspaper? Well, we had the Olympic Training Center there. So we had mm -hmm. the reporters meet at the Olympic Training Center to do that interview and really talk about that. So you have to find a tie-in. Yeah, that's interesting. The, the reporter thing is an interesting angle for me because I'm so media, um, I'm so media ignorant. I guess when maybe you could help me understand a little in a little bit greater depth. I think you said you had thirteen. That the audience scope is thirteen thousand or so um, individuals, right? Individual mm -hmm. entities. Is that correct? Reporters and industry people. And, and roughly, did you say 600-ish of those were reporters specifically? Yes. Okay. So can you help me understand something? If if I'm, if I'm uh, in this case, I, let's just use reality. I'm ChronoTrack. If ChronoTrack releases uh, a press release about whatever our, our topic is, whatever thing we're announcing, a new feature, a new product, a new partnership, whatever it might be, can you help me understand what's the ripple effect across your 13,000 um, uh, users, uh, your audience, and then how does that amplify and magnify across those 600 reporters who then are posting from each other's articles or each other's sources and whatnot? Uh, what I'm, what I'm babbling about is I'm trying to get to like, what's the real reach 13,000 equals something greater than 13,000 because you have all those reporters mixed in and all this sharing of stories and retweeting and whatnot. How, how do, how do you measure or how does a race director or timer know your this your ultimate potential audience for this is somewhere between X and Y. Well, usually we show the audience. We we do not track what it goes on, what happens beyond us sending out the newsletter. If we do, what we do do is, if you had the most open press release that day, we'll let you know and we'll publicize it on our social media channels for you, just to give you a nice shout out. Um, but it's really going to depend on your news. So. Because, like I said, a, a runner's world might not be interested in a timing story <laughs> necessarily, you know. Um, so you're probably a lot of your big reach is going to be within your own industry. So if you're sharing a, a big customer that you successfully pulled off a huge marathon for, you know, your reach may be not in media um, 
results, but it may be a new customers who read the newsletter, um, which is something that's unique from other press release distribution services out there. Yeah. So why, what, what do you credit endurance sports wires growth with meaning why did it take off so much and get from, you know, zero to 13,000 within 10 years? There's something that's drawing people to it. There's lots of places to post stuff as you, as you said. So what, what is it about endurance sports wire that's enabled it to take off as it has gained that audience? It's so funny because I still think that audience is so small. I'm like, I want it to be double that. (laughs) So thank you for saying that. I know it's a very specific B2B audience. I think the big thing that's um, helped the newsletter grow in terms of distribution is the fact that we also include what we call editor's picks. So in addition to the press releases, we go out and find other interesting B2B news that you might see in other media outlets. Um, And so what we say is we compile all the most important news and announcements so you don't have to. And essentially, it's not something that a lot of people have time to go on all these websites and find news they think they might be interested in. So we've done that. So when, as you know, when you open the newsletter, it's a really quick read to see who's making announcements, but also see what's happening in our industry and a little bit beyond. And And it's funny because that section gets a lot of clicks. People are really interested in in those types of articles. And we even get media outlets coming to us saying, hey, can you include my article in your editor's pick section? So so that's how popular it's become. So I think that's really helped drive the growth as well because it's just a quick snapshot. And like you said, you can find out what's happening really quickly and easily. And are are you looking to – are you looking to – What's the right way to say this? You have a formula that obviously works because there's only a couple thousand race directors in the whole world. And if there's, if your audience is 13,000 ish, most of which is non reporters, let's say, are, do you have a formula that fits and you're just going to continue letting that um, snowball and grow over time? Or is there something different you intend to do now that you've reached the size and the scale that you have? Does, does endurance sports wire evolve into something else next? Uh, well, you know, there's only so many event organizers, but there's also a lot of brands in our industry mm-hmm. as well in terms of products and other types of services. So we do trainers, you know, people that offer digital products. So at trade shows, you know, so there's a lot of other people and audiences who read that, that touch that industry. You know, I think where we go from here is another site. So I mentioned we have Outdoor Sportswire, which is a whole nother beast in itself that has huge potential for growth. We just launched a new newsletter as part of that site. It's not a new site yet. It's just a category within that site called Camping Newswire. Because Uh as you know, the camping industry has been going gangbusters with the pandemic. Huge. Um, Yeah. Yeah, It's crazy. It's like it's up multiple hundreds of percent. It's amazing. Yeah. And while I'm not a consumer newsletter, I don't want to take away from all the great media outlets that do wonderful things in that space. Um, There's business news in there that people are interested in because there's tons of people that build recreational vehicles or have products for that industry or have blogs that cover like, you know, people who full-timers, I guess they call them. And there's a lot of um, camping type products or tents that go on cars. And, you know, there's just so many different products and I've explored a few of the different websites that cover the business. And I thought, wow, you know, I feel like we can do that so much better. That's kind of how Endurance Sportswire started. Yeah. And so we just launched um, Camping Newswire. We just had our second one went out today. So it's just weekly right now. Um, And we're seeing a lot of great opens on that. So I think people are really interested in it. And then the other expansion would be I'm starting a third website. So, you know, because I can't get enough of websites. Um, And so in addition to Endurance Sportswire and Outdoor Sportswire, we're going to be doing Women's Sports Newswire. Mm -hmm. So there's... Uh, you know, women make up more than half of the runners out there even. And there's so many women's fitness products and there's so many <sighs> women run companies. And I feel like if you were to go to a business wire or PR news wire, they don't have a specific list of reporters that are just for women, mm-hmm. <laughs> women's fitness. Mm-hmm. You know? So again, I try to go really deep in terms of the industry 
And I think there's a lot of opportunity for a website that distributes press releases to reporters that are very interested specifically in women's type products and services in that space and women run companies. I'm sorry if you said this for the, for the, the women specific one that has launched or that's in the works. It's will in the works. It's in the works. So expect something in the next few months, but that's kind of the next, the next realm. And I, I really, for my business, I really like the idea of having a set of related, somewhat related websites that dig deep and help people get the news that they need and the announcements they need. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And it sounds like you're fine. It's, it's interesting. You're finding, you're finding all the niches within the niche of this, uh, this, this small little world that most of my, my audience operates within. I think that's, I think that's fantastic. Good for you. Well, you know what we do is whenever I look to move into a new industry, I go online and I just start tracking news and I, yeah. I have to be able to find business news out there. Um, that I can include in the newsletter. And then I'll also look to see, is there a B2B publication for that particular industry? Mm-hmm. And there could be, but maybe they're not doing it great. Or um, maybe there isn't one there. We didn't happen to have one in the endurance sports industry. And so then I, then that helps me understand what industry I should go into next. Yeah. You're trying to find all the little gaps in there or underserved markets. Maybe I think that's fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I have a couple last questions. First, before we leave either um, press releases or public relations, is there anything I failed to ask about that's that's relevant as a best practice or anything that, that you would uh, want to share with the audience? And if not, that's totally fine. You shared a lot already. Yeah. No, I think we shared a lot already. Um, I'll probably just send people, and you can include it in the show notes, to our website, to our library, which you can see right at the top of our web site and they um, right top of our homepage. And there's some great resources that I discussed, you know, in terms of do's and don'ts with press releases, as well as a press release template that you can use and follow for yourself. How about um, anybody who's maybe not used in anybody who might hear this, that's not used in during sports wire in the past, there might be a few um, where, where should they find you, get a hold of you and where should they go to, to start using the service? Yeah. All they need to do is go to, um, endurancesportswire.com and they'll see a button that says submit press release. And then that will take them to the offerings that we have. And, you know, we work with hundreds of companies in the space, you know, anywhere from just small event organizers to Ironman and LA triathlon and, yeah. You, you know, the pretty much Spartan, pretty much the dream list of, you know, companies in our industry, um, as well as great service providers like yourself. Um, and it's pretty easy. Once they paper a press release, they just upload the from upload their announcement, their logo and photo, and we take care of the rest. Great. I, I learned a lot from this. This was fun, especially because for me, like I said, I was very... PR, meaning public relations, not press release, um, PR ignorant. So some of those best practices, I hope my questions weren't too um, basic or elementary, but I, I genuinely didn't know. And you gave us some good guidance that I think we'll, we'll definitely use. I really appreciate you doing that, Tina. Yeah, no problem. I'm always happy to share best practices, although I don't write press releases anymore. Like I said, I've seen about 20,000. <laughs> so we see them often and, uh, and we enjoy including them on our site. You know, it's become bigger than myself now. So it's it's a super fun. I mean, every day I get up and I get super excited to be like, gosh, what do I get to work on today? You know, with mm-hmm. business. That's a great place to be. Good for you. Kudos for building something so, so, so um, that's become so endemic to this really niche special little industry. I, I think that's a really special thing. So good, yeah, good thank for you. you. I, have to, I have to share a funny story, you know. Um, I felt like I kind of made it at one point when um, I was at a running USA conference and um, somebody who didn't know who I was said, Oh, what does endurance sports wire do? And, you know, a couple people jumped in and said, Oh, you have to read this newsletter. But then somebody said, Oh, San Diego is, which is where I live. Is that where your corporate headquarters is? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) The home office. Yeah. Yeah. It was exciting. (laughs) I knew you were San Diego. Are you North County? I can't remember where you are. I am. I'm in Solana Beach, beautiful Solana Beach. Yeah. I have a sibling in uh, PB and I have a sibling who's in Cardiff. So San Diego is my my other home. I live in Richmond, Virginia, Chrono Tracks based basically in Boulder, Colorado. And then before that, I was in competitor a competitor group in San Diego. Mm-hmm. 
And so my, I've lived in Virginia for 10 years, but my two other homes are Boulder, Colorado and San Diego, California and Cardiff, which and is you left California. Pre- pretty great. I never lived there. I have the two siblings that live there that I just, I basically just live on their couch whenever I'm in town for a, a week or two. Well, it's not a bad place to crash. It's sure not. Well, again, I really appreciate this. I learned a lot. I always, um, I think you've said you've heard the show before. So I always finish with the same question, which is, is there anybody that you would recommend we speak to next now that you have a, a feel for how the show is and, and the format of it? You know, one person I would really be interested in hearing an interview from, um, I don't know her personally, so I would love to reach out to her and actually connect. Um, Donna Stone, who is the new CEO of Running USA. Um, you know, she started Women's Running Magazine and she has an interesting background. And especially I know Running USA is, was impacted significantly with the pandemic um, and they had to cancel their conference this year. I, I would be super interested in hearing, you know, her background and, you know, what her plans are with the organization. And then probably one of the favorite, my favorite people I love to talk to and I consider a good friend would be Mike Riley. Mm-hmm. So he's emceed at so many of our industry conferences and he's the voice of Iron Man. And he's also one of the kindest people I've ever met. And, and you'd be surprised how much detail goes into announcing a major event like an Iron Man. Um, the prep he, he does for an event like that is, is pretty amazing. And he also has so many great stories to tell. So many stories. I don't. I don't know Mike personally. I, I think I've probably met him once, but um, I know he's done just a lot. He's done a lot of interesting things in the industry and in all kinds of different mm-hmm. capacities. But yeah, that announcing and some of those stories, I'm sure. Are I'm sure he'd be happy to do an interview. He's yeah. a super kind, generous person. Th- those are two great uh, recommendations. I'll take. I'll take both of them, and we'll see if we can get, get them both on the show. That sounds awesome. Tina, thank you so much for doing this. I hope it was a good uh, use of your time. And um, I'd hope you come back again sometime as well. We talk again. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks very much. 